The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What a world! Welcome and all to another episode of the Ocho, presented to you in partnership, as always, with SB Nation's bloggingtheboys.com. My name is RJ Ochoa. You know me, of course, from BTB, and from right here as your humble host on the Ocho. It is Tuesday, March 30th, 2021. We hope all is well wherever you are. We hope you're happy, safe, healthy, and we hope that your Final Four is going to be still intact after Tuesday night's March Madness action. Uh, We are here today because we have a very special surprise for you. Uh, Something we've been doing lately is jumping on the Locker Room app. If you didn't know, Locker Room is an app that allows for conversations, kind of like live radio meets podcasts. Uh, It's very cool. The app is only available on iPhones right now, Uh, but what you do is you download the app, you jump on, and there are different rooms that you can join. There are several other apps like this, obviously. Um, And so our rooms are obviously about the Cowboys, so uh, you can hear me generally talk talking about the Cowboys, you can join the room, you can just listen if you want, uh, you can request to join the stage and to be part of the conversation, and so uh, I hosted a locker room room, uh, say room twice in a row like that, it's weird, but I hosted a locker room room on Tuesday, and after some trial and error, finally got off the ground, it was about an hour-long conversation about just kind of thoughts on the the draft and, and where the Cowboys sit and kind of what they should do in different scenarios. We had a couple of people join the conversation, and so wanted to include the audio for you here on the podcast. We did that last time when we talked about Dak Prescott's contract situation. We will be doing these more often. So if you want to participate, like I said, download the Locker Room app. You can follow me on there. Just search for RJ Ochoa. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram, too, if you want. If you have any questions, you can always uh, shoot me a message there. My DMs are open. Or you can email me, rj.ochoa at sbnation.com. We'll probably do our next one. I say this at the end of the conversation sometime in the evening. We generally have done these in the middle of the day. Uh, But so it'll probably be an evening kind of conversation. So look forward to that. Uh, For now, you know, hey. It's draft season. There's a lot going on. The next month's going to be crazy, so make sure you're checking out bloggingtheboys.com. Subscribe right here to the Blog and the Boys podcast network. And in fact, um, when you subscribe, it'd be awesome if you left a rating and you wrote a review. And what I was going to say is, in fact, ask us your draft questions in the reviews. If you have questions, you have topics, that is a great way to get us to see them. Just write your question. If you want the Cowboys to take a certain player or whatever, let us know in the review. Uh, we really appreciate those things. But uh, for now, let's go ahead and move on. Here's the conversation that I had on Tuesday on the locker room app all right everybody this is the fourth try and it i think just based on the pulsating green circle 
uh, that I can be heard. Daniel says yes. Appreciate it, Daniel. We did it. All right. Uh, my name is Arjo Ochoa. I'm the manager and editor-in-chief over at SB Nation's bloggingtheboys.com. Um, like I said, our fourth try here today uh, to try to get off the ground on Locker Room. Apologies to everybody who uh, was very patient, um, who tried, obviously, to join to let me know that I could not be heard. Uh, sending out invites now so people can join us. Um, I don't know what happened, but uh, I could not be heard no matter what I did, no matter how much I screamed. I was trapped in uh, my own locker room little world, but uh, I could not be heard for the first three times that we started this room. So sorry for blowing your your invite message, your invite inbox up because, hey, sometimes that works. But if anybody's curious, if anybody runs into this issue again, Daniel and Miguel are MVPs today. Daniel told me uh, that he ha had the same issue last week. He deleted the app or rather closed the room, deleted the app, re-downloaded the app. You got to put your password in. It's a whole big thing. Didn't even take my like face ID, whatever. Uh, but, uh, but so put the password back in, restarted the app and we're good to go. All right. So I have said the same thing in a row three times and I don't even care because I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to be able to be heard. And we're going to go through it for the fourth time. I've had a sip of Diet Sunkist and I'm feeling on fire. So uh, before we get to talking about the Dallas Cowboys and what they should do in the NFL draft, there was some NFL news today that I think is noteworthy and, and certainly as it pertains to the Dallas Cowboys. Um, the Cowboys now, just like every team in the NFL, have a 17th game. Uh, the NFL made it official that 17 games will be played in the regular season starting in 2021. This is something that we all knew was very possible when they agreed to a new collective bargaining agreement last year. Um, so, you know, not necessarily like breaking news, but it is official now. There will no longer be any eight and eight records. Shout out, of course, to Jason Garrett. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys will visit the New England Patriots as far as their 17th game is concerned this coming season. Uh, and if you're wondering how that's derived, if you're wondering about the formula that goes into this, the NFL is now going to have every team or rather every division play another one on rotation. So the Cowboys are in the NFC East. They will play the AFC East, obviously the AFC, NFC East will in 2021, and they will play each team that they finish in the same place as. So the Washington football team and Buffalo Bills won the two divisions. They will play each other. The New York Giants will visit the Miami Dolphins. The Cowboys will visit the Patriots. And of course, the worst team in the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles, will visit the New York Jets. All of the AFC teams will host in 2021, and all of the NFC teams will host in 2022. Back and forth, back and forth, it will go from now until the end of time. For what it's worth, the Cowboys will host the team that they finish as in the same place in the AFC North in 2022. So we'll keep an eye on that division over at bloggingtheboys.com as the season progresses. Let's get things started as it pertains to the 2021 NFL Draft. And, of course, free agency still plays a role. Uh, Anthony, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, Vaccarelli? Vaccarelli? I think it's – I'm going to go with the first. Vaccarelli uh, says, big fan. Appreciate that. Who do you think – or do you think the Cowboys will sign K.J. Wright? Uh, this has been percolating for some time, uh, that the Cowboys uh, could be interested in linebacker K.J. Wright. Obviously has a familiarity with uh, new defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. Mike Fisher has been all over this report from the get-go. I mean – why not? You know, at this point, uh, like, why not? And the Cowboys have been relatively chill in free agency so far, obviously. Um, they have not, you know, they, they've done things, but they, they haven't done anything that is like, you know, whoa, anything that's worth like throwing a party over. Yes, they added uh, Keanu Neal. Yes, they added DeMonte Casey, who, by the way, DallasCowboys.com um, has listed as number 35, which is awful. Um, so really bad there, but, um, I mean, I, 
I will, I will say this, Anthony, if, if, if it's super obvious, that's generally something that the Cowboys don't do. Although to that point, Keanu Neal was super obvious. Uh, DeMonte KZ was super obvious and the Cowboys obviously did those things. So, I mean, I think it's more likely than it isn't. Uh, but I mean, I, I mean, I don't know that it makes a huge difference. Anthony has a follow-up question says, do we think we could replace Jalen if we sign him? I think that most human beings could replace Jalen Smith right now. Um, but I don't necessarily think that that would be the plan for KJ, right? But the Cowboys do need like linebacker depth in general. Uh, Daniel notes that he is a Mississippi State product, of course, like the great Dak Prescott. Look, I mean, um, Sean Lee is like, and Sean Lee's not even on the team right now, but Sean Lee is like the greatest point of depth that the Cowboys have at linebacker. Don't forget they lost Joe Thomas uh, to the Houston Texans in free agency. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not opposed to this. But, again, like, that's not really going to sway things, you know, further one direction for me as far as the Cowboys are concerned entering the 2021 season. Now, on the subject of Dak Prescott, um, last time we did a locker room here, we're going to be doing these way more. Um, obviously, so make sure you follow me on locker room. Let's have a good time. Let's, you know, let's just have a great time in general. But last time we spoke here, it was about Dak Prescott and about how the Cowboys needed to pay him. They obviously did that. So not to brag on everybody in this room right now, but we are clearly some movers and shakers and, uh, clearly the Dallas Cowboys do whatever we say here on locker room. So on the subject of uh, what people say, I thought we had a request to speak. Uh, maybe we, maybe we don't, but um, either way. So the Cowboys listen to what we say here on Locker Room. So let's tell them what to do in the 2021 NFL Draft. As you know, uh, the Cowboys obviously had or still have the 10th overall pick. The top 10 has seen a dramatic shift in terms of order. The top 12, really, thanks to the trades last Friday. The San Francisco 49ers, the Miami Dolphins, the Philadelphia Eagles doing the tango uh, blind like Lieutenant Colonel Slater incentive of a woman. And now, obviously, there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks that go before the Cowboys pick. We want that. This is all great news. We want quarterbacks, quarterbacks, quarterbacks. We want to see nothing. We would love to see nine quarterbacks go, but that is obviously impossible. Uh, Miguel says, uh, you know, didn't know I could do that gem. It is. I appreciate everybody who's throwing out the gems. Daniel letting us know here. I think if you double click my pictures, Daniel notes, you give me some gems. I'm not going to say no to gems. If you want to give me gems, I'll take them all day long. Um, very nice of everybody appreciate um, the gems. But so we want to see a lot of quarterbacks and we ultimately want a great player to land with the Cowboys, obviously with the 10th overall pick. Here's here's the thing. It is very possible. And like it's not just possible in the sense that like anything's possible, right? Like, you know, oh, um, you know, Manchester United could win the Premier League. That's still mathematically possible. No, like I'm talking about this is like really, truly legitimately possible that the Dallas Cowboys could pick the first defensive player on the board or off the board rather when they are on the clock. Uh, My friend Pete Sweeney and I, we host a podcast on the SB Nation NFL show. It comes out on Mondays. Uh, It's called Monday Football Monday. And uh, we did our own projection of what the top 10 picks are going to look like. I made Pete do this because obviously everything revolves around the Dallas Cowboys and we had to get to the Cowboys pick so that we could know what the options were going to be for the Cowboys. So uh, I recap this uh, this mock for us if you want to check it out on the Blog of the Boys YouTube channel, but I'll go through it briefly here. Uh, picks one through four, Pete and I have as quarterbacks. We have Trevor Lawrence going to the Jaguars, Zach Wilson to the Jets, Justin Fields to the 49ers, and Mac Jones going four overall, whether it be to the Falcons or to somebody else. But that does seem like the spot that he is going to ultimately go. Getting to the Cowboys picker, so pay attention to the you know everybody who's on the board. Four quarterbacks go, picks one through four. At number five, we have Jamar Chase going to the Cincinnati Bengals, reuniting with Joe Burrow. 
six, Kyle Pitts to the Miami Dolphins. I saw we had a comment about him. Uh, we can address that, surely. Uh, at seven, we have Panay Sewell going to the Detroit Lions. At eight, we have Trey Lance, who has fallen, going to the Carolina Panthers. And at pick number nine, Rashawn Slater, the Northwestern tackle, ending with the Denver Broncos. So this would mean that the Cowboys would be on the clock with the 10th overall pick. And all of this is practical, right? Like, nothing I've told you here is impossible. Um, so you look at this, and that would be really, really, really nice, right? Obviously, if you have your choice of defensive players. Obviously, you know, let's let's address the Kyle Pitts thing before we get into the fully, you know, defensive conversation. Uh, it was Jason Johnson who said here, Kyle Pitts. If Kyle Pitts is on the board for the Cowboys at 10 overall, I think you have to take him. I don't know how you can't. I don't know how you can live with yourself. I don't know how you can sleep at night if you don't take Kyle Pitts. Um, I know that there are people who feel like that would be overindulgence, who feel like that the Cowboys offense don't need a lot of help. A lot of the comments already. Mark Tenorio says defense is what we need. I don't disagree with this idea, uh, but there is zero question that Kyle Pitts would be the best available player in the draft. And you don't always, I mean, there, there's a factor of need into your picks or that goes into your picks when it comes to the NFL draft, but you don't just say, well, that's what we need. So we're going to ignore who the best player available is. If you did that, if that was truly how you operated, think about last year's draft when the Cowboys were on the clock with the 17th overall pick. If they had drafted for need, they would have taken the LSU edge rusher, Caleb on chase on and CD lamb would have ended up somewhere else. And I know you're thinking like, well, hell no, I, I don't want to do that. Like I love CD lamb. Yeah, I know. And so Kyle Pitts is this year's version of that. And so if he falls, if he is somehow there, you totally go for it. Why? Where, where is he going to play? Well, you know what? When the Cowboys drafted CD lamb, all we did was say they need to play out of 11 personnel all the time. If you don't know, 11 personnel is one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. They need to have 11 personnel on the field at all times. Well, you know what you do if you have Kyle Pitts on your team? You can play at a 12 personnel. Like that opens up a whole set of packages offensively that you can run because now you have this offensive weapon in Kyle Pitts that completely changes everything you do. Miguel says, I would not be upset. It's another CD Lamb type of pick. Agree with you, Miguel. Gems to you. I think I can give gems. I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, we need defense, but also couldn't let him fall to the NFC East. This is an important point to note because while the Dallas Cowboys have the 10th overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft, the New York Giants, boo, have the 11th pick. And the Philadelphia Eagles, double boo, have the 12th overall pick. So not only would it be terrible to pass on Kyle Pitts in its own vacuum, it would be awful to watch one of these two teams ultimately end up with him. Um, and, and imagine, I mean, like, I don't want to, like, really throw shade, but, like, imagine Kyle Pitts falling to Jason Garrett's New York Giants. It would, it would be awful just in the sake of good football um, that, you know, we would have to watch Kyle Pitts' career be resorted to whatever Jason Garrett wanted to do with him offensively, which would not be a lot. Jason Guerrero would look, take one look at Kyle Pitts and say, wait a minute, you're fast and athletic. That is not how I operate at tight end. Have you seen Kyle Rudolph? That's my kind of tight end. So um, let's see here. Um, uh, Tanner says, is there some audio I'm missing or is the purpose of this particular room text only new to locker room? Apologies. Tanner, we did have some audio issues um, for a long time uh, today. So I hope that you can hear us. Um, and I hope that there is an audio that you are missing. But the purpose here is to have a conversation. If anybody wants to join the conversation, certainly uh, would appreciate you joining the stage. Would love to get your thoughts on what the Cowboys should do or what you think they should do, rather what you want them to do. Because, I, you know, I'm here to satisfy your needs. Whatever you want the Cowboys to do, I want to will that into existence. 
So uh, Daniel says that you can hear me. Thank you. I've just, I've, I'm now like very scarred by the fact that I couldn't be heard. So anyway, if this mock were to fill itself out uh, or rather to play itself out, the Cowboys would ultimately, let's see, we do have a request to join the stage. Miguel, one of the MVPs of today. Miguel, how is your Tuesday going? Thank you for uh, helping us get off the ground and helping us. I, I said, Nobody could hear me, but I said that we were going to land this plane one way or the other. But we are now flying smoothly, my friend, and you are the man to thank for it. Miguel, how goes it? Doing good, doing good. How are you doing, RJ? Glad to finally, after I think this is the fourth room, to actually be able to hear. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a rough go, but we're back. We're alive. Um, they couldn't they couldn't shut me up forever, so here we are. Uh, but uh, but it's all good. Uh, appreciate you alerting me because I was just screaming in darkness, as far as I knew. Uh, but so I appreciate you letting me know. Uh, what do you, Miguel, think the Cowboys should do with the 10th overall pick? So should is a funny word, right? I mean, should we should go defense. I mean, we, it's obvious we need defense. But if Cal Pitts is there, if, you know, I know it's a big if, you have him on a mock going at six. If he is there, I mean, it's just like I said earlier, you can't let him go. It's like a CD Lamb pick. I was listening <laughs> to Jersey Boys earlier, actually, mm. on the Boys podcast. And, you know, he they said – the reason we were able to take CD Lamb is because we didn't know how bad our defense was. Yes and no. We Cowboys have not had an amazing defense, and I can't remember when. When we drafted Zeke, we just used him to keep the defense off the field, honestly. Um, that kind of just hit our terribleness. And um, yes, Dan Quinn is making a bunch of different moves, but we can go back uh, to, you know, Mo, all the way back to Mo Claiborne. You know, he was supposed to be this next level um, corner. And I'm not saying Patrick Sertan's going to be, you know, a bust, but let's say um, Kyle Pitts falls to, as you said, New York Giants or Philadelphia Eagles. Who who do we have that can, you know, cover a tight end as well as a bunch of different receivers at this point? Uh, the answer is nobody. And I think that all of that is fair. Uh, by the way, Miguel mentioned Jersey Boys. It is on the Blog of the Boys podcast network. We put out a different show every single day. Uh, today we had a new episode of the 750 featuring myself and two-time Super Bowl champion Tony Casillas. So appreciate the plug there, Miguel. Um, I don't think Kyle Pitts is going to be available. Like, let's let's just let's get the hurt over with. Like, that's fine. And I would love to see him in Miami. Like, that would be fun. And I'm totally here for the Dolphins being great. Uh, and it would be hilarious if the pick that the Dolphins gave the Philadelphia Eagles ended up like being really terrible. Um, so I'm all for Kyle Pitts. You know, going to Miami, staying in the state of Florida. Patrick Sertan is the player that Pete Tweeney and I on our podcast mocked to the Cowboys. I think if, if this situation plays itself out and maybe some of these things are a little bit shuffled, but I don't think Kyle Pitts is available, which is the, the truth. Like that's the only offensive player uh, skill player that I think is tantalizing for us. But let me ask you this, because I'm sure you agree that Patrick Sertan out of Alabama is, is a fine choice with the 10th overall pick, but say one of the tackles falls and pick, pick whichever one you want, but whether Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater are on the board, would you rather go that direction over Sertan? It's definitely a hard one. Um, it it, it kind of depends. Um, if Are we still looking at free agents? You know, do we make any more moves before the draft? Um, Let, but let's I, assume the roster is, mo- is, is what it is today. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be on the fence on this one, honestly, because Tyron Smith, he, when was the last time he played a full season that we could rely on him? And how many more years can we rely on him actually being there? Right. Um, he's our, we're going to need somebody to protect Dak. Our, our offensive line is not what it used to be. Um, you know, another question I was going to ask later was, you know, who's going to be our, our center or backup center? Therefore, I haven't heard anything about Joe Looney. Um, you know, I wouldn't be upset if we go offensive line to protect Dak and protect our offense. Um, but I also 
you know, wouldn't be upset with Patrick Sertan. I think our need and what I would be happy with would be Sertan. But if we go, you know, an offensive lineman, whether whoever that is, um, I would also not be upset. Yeah, I um, I like the train of thought, and it's fair. Um, Tyron Smith, not reliable at this point. And for that matter, Lyle Collins, not reliable at this point, just based on last year. So, um, you know, it's it's easy to say if they're healthy, everything's going to be fine. But that that really, you know, fell apart early on this past season. And so you, you really have to assume that you're going to have to rely on not just your swing tackle. The Cowboys did sign Ty Nisecki, uh to be fair. They also have both Terrence Steele and Brandon Knight, who, while they were not great last season, they did get a lot of experience and are still young players. And, you know, you can be kind of optimistic in that sense. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, it, it would make a lot of sense, especially, you know, if you're ultimately going to end up with a premium tackle, you know, the best way to do that outside of paying one premium tackle money is to get one, you know, on a cheap rookie contract. And the Cowboys could certainly, um, you know, afford, no pun intended, to really get some help in that capacity. Um, I did see, by the way, just as we're talking here, a note that uh, Commissioner Roger Goodell said he expects full stadiums in 2021. Um, obviously, we talked a little while ago about the NFL expanding to 17 games in the regular season. Uh, but so that is an interesting note. Let's see, uh, Miguel, let's get Jason up here. Jason has requested to join the stage, I'm sure, to tell us who he wants the Cowboys to draft for the 10th overall pick. Jason, what's up? Hope your Tuesday's going well. Hey, how's it going, fellas? Um, my day's going pretty good. Um, but I wanted to say... Uh, regarding the tackle situation, um, you kind of mentioned what I was thinking of. It's like if we just expanded the season to a 17-game season mm. and we're asking about um, uh, health and we have health concerns before the season even starts, I think if we were to go tackle at that spot, it wouldn't be a bad thing. Um, also, how do you feel about trading the pick back to get some, get more picks in the draft, or, or a future, another future pick. Um, for sure. So this for is this is a great point, year. Jason. Right, great point. Um, now, for anyone that's curious, obviously Lyle Collins did not play at all last season, um, and that's a whole different issue. But Tyron Smith played two games, and that was it. But prior to that, so like if if we want to look at at non two thousand twenty seasons, not to throw that away, but the last time Tyron Smith played a full 16-game regular season was actually before Dak and Zeke arrived. Dak Prescott has never had 16 games of Tyron Smith. It was in 2015, which was low-key a great year for the offensive line. They helped Darren McFadden. I think he was fourth in the NFL in rushing that year, uh, have 1,000 yards. But all, all four years, 2016, 17, 18, and 19, Tyron Smith played 13 games. Obviously, you've got some Chaz Green sprinkled in there. Uh, good times, and you've got some Cam Fleming, stuff like that. But um, ultimately, you know, to your point, that is such a great point, Jason, that now, like, you're already, like, if you're assuming that he's only going to play 13 games, which is already a knock, you're assuming three games without him. You can't plan what three games these are going to be. But just for what it's worth, the Cowboys have road trips this year. Now we know to New England. They also visit Tampa. They visit Kansas City. They visit the Chargers. They visit the New Orleans Saints. We'll see what they look like. I mean, you know, it, it is tough sledding for them. And so being able to count on Tyron Smith for 16 games is, is tough, let alone 17 games as a whole. I love the idea of trading back because, I, for me, the top two options, if we play out the general mocks, like, for you know, not forget, but to – to move on from the one that Pete Tweeney and I did on our podcast, 
I think most situations involve the Cowboys having their choice of Patrick Sertan, and it used to be Caleb Farley up until last Tuesday when we found out that he needed the back surgery that's really knocked him down the, the draft, you know, sort of pecking order in general. So if you're the Cowboys, I know that J.C. Horn from South Carolina has really climbed up a lot of boards and in a lot of people's eyes. I love that idea, Jason. You want to trade back. You want to move back somewhere. And maybe you still don't even pick there. Maybe you trade back to where the Bears are and then still come back up to get J.C. Horn. And ultimately, you still you net your whatever capital it is, whether it's you know capital in this year's draft or whether it's a future first rounder, depending on whoever's coming up to get whoever they want. Um, I love that idea if you still walk away with premium talent. Now, if the Cowboys trade back and draft Christian Barrymore, I mean, you know, get some help at defensive tackle, I'm still okay with this. But if they trade back and draft like, I mean, like Micah Parsons or something, like I'm, I'm not like bummed by this, but if, if it would, I think ideal world is they walk away with JC Horn and future draft capital. But um, obviously it's impossible to guarantee anything, but that is definitely my second favorite, you know, sort of path the Cowboys can take. I like the, and I would like that path in general, if we were talking about a random year, like if you, if we were talking about team X and those are the two options, I would prefer to trade back, but because of who the Cowboys are and because of their inability to find legitimate defensive help, I I don't want to screw around. I don't want to waste any time. I don't want to, you know, just burn any potential opportunity. I want them to turn in the card and just be satisfied and, you know, cash out and enjoy it. That's, that's a fine way to live in my mind, but um, it is it is fair to say that now that they have Dak on this big time contract, they have to find a way to get cheap labor in. How do you get cheap labor? That's that's rookie contracts, and so you're going to need as many of those as you can possibly get. For what it's worth, the Cowboys do have ten picks in the draft already because of the four compensatory picks that they got. They have four picks in the top 100 because they did get a third round comp pick, and they have six picks in the first four rounds. Um, so you know, lots of things to to consider in that capacity. Uh, but I, I do like the idea of trading back. But if I asked you, Jason, if you had to de- decide between trading back and Sertan, all of those things considered, do you still lean trade back? Or, or now have I convinced you to take Patrick Sertan? Okay, so here's the thing. I, uh, I would probably go with knowing that we have 10 picks in this draft, I would say pull Sertan because you, he's a five-star player. Right. In the sense of he's going to make, make an impact. And a lot of times I think people don't understand that if you are playing in the SEC or even the ACC, um, I'm sorry, he played for, for Ohio State, right? For Alabama. Okay, so he played in the SEC. He played for the best team in, in, in the world. So if you're going <laughs> to make an impact in college at Alabama, nine times out of ten, when you come into the NFL – Within three to four years, you're playing all of your peers in in college. So um, you're going to make an impact on that level as well. Um, you know, you look at um, Patrick Peterson, kind of the same way. Um, Honey Badger, same way. Um, but I was saying that based on thinking about the fact that I think they said the earliest Dak could return is like early December. Um, based on on the injury, um, when when he first got injured, I haven't heard very many updates uh, progress wise about how he's coming along. Um, with the games that you just listed uh, for road games, it sounds like we're going to be playing ourselves into the lottery again, uh, which I don't mind necessarily because if you're looking at this from a franchise standpoint, 
it's not so much about this year as it is about the future of the franchise, uh, especially with Dak coming off this horrendous injury. And we don't know how he's how long it's going to take for him to get back to Dak form. So sure. let's um, let's draft as if we are drafting to get into the lottery again. And we're basically taking this year to develop our young players so that in 2022-23, we're um, our uh, team ha- becomes formidable again. Though, I mean, you don't want to throw away money and time, but, I mean, if the writing is on the wall that this is going to be a throwaway year, this is going to be a throwaway year. So I think a lot of what you said is really interesting, Jason. Um, talking about, obviously, uh, Patrick Sertan and his experience in the SEC um, and how guys playing at that high level obviously translate well to the NFL. There's no better example than Trayvon Dix, right? Patrick Sertan's teammate in Tuscaloosa. And so, it, like, I'm partially rooting for this just because that would be cool. Um, like, the the edits would be super sick. Like, there would be an awesome edit of, like, an all-22 angle of them playing in, like, half Bama jerseys, half Cowboys jerseys, and that'd be really fun. Uh, but so, I mean, blue-chip prospect can't miss no matter what. By the way, just saw – Friend uh, of Blog and the Boys, Kevin Gray, just joined us here on the locker room. Kevin, what's up? Kevin does a great job on the home of the Cowboys, 105.3 The Fan. So everybody give him a follow saying good afternoon, everyone. Hope your day is going great, KG. But um, I I don't – I know you're not saying, like, the Cowboys are doomed. I would I would disagree with this assertion in in, in, in a whole sense in that if we look at this – and I uh, I tweeted this out yesterday because um, – and I wrote something about this that is, um, is hitting blogontheboys.com later on today. Right now, the Cowboys' odds to win the Super Bowl – um, kind of post the first two weeks of free agency are just middle of the road. And I get that if you think that, but I mean, I think when we peel the the onion back, like the layers of the onion, like Shrek, um, I, like how many teams in the NFC are undeniably better than the Cowboys? And I know, I know this is about the draft, but I mean, that's, that's kind of like my angle here. Like I, I fully believe that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Green Bay Packers are 100% better than the Dallas Cowboys. I would take those two teams 100 out of 100 times to beat the Dallas Cowboys right now. But any other team in the NFC, I don't believe that. I, I don't believe – the Rams are certainly a contender, and we'll see how the Matthew Stafford experiment goes. Um, but, but still, I mean, like, that's maybe a 50-50 proposition. And so the Rams are a contender. The Saints are – not that, you know, Drew Brees was formidable this past year, uh, but, but they're now, you know, even further back in that capacity – who like the NFC East is terrible. The NFC North outside of the Packers is like, I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for him, but Andy Dalton's going to make the bears legit. And maybe, I suppose if, if you believe Kirk cousins can, can I like Kirk cousins? I think he's a fine quarterback. I think he gets bagged on too much, but I mean, the Vikings have their own defensive issues with their whole secondary last year. And so, I mean, the, I, I think if you look at every team in the NFL, I think the Cowboys have the easiest path to the Super Bowl. And look at the Bucks this past year as an example. The Bucks played Washington in the wild card round, which was a, a terrible game. I mean, you know, a terrible opponent for them quality-wise. They obviously won. Then they, they played the New Orleans Saints and Drew Brees, who was a shell of himself. They played the Green Bay Packers, all the credit in the world to them. They played the Kansas City Chiefs, all the credit in the world to them. So you're talking 50% of their postseason run was not necessarily against tomato cans, but, I mean, was against some some super winnable games. And so if you're the Cowboys, you have the easiest path of any team in the NFL to your division title. You, you have, you, you have the lowest amount of work to do. 
And so then when you get there, like your your wild card round matchup, if you don't have the buy, is going to be what against against the Cardinals, maybe, right? Like you know, and yeah, they're a little bit of a dicey team, and they blew out the the Dak Prescott this Cowboys last year. But I mean, still, like my my overall point is, I I really, if you ha- if you follow me anywhere, I say this a lot that I don't like the term win now, or I hate the term window. But the the time really is now for the Cowboys because at a certain point, like you're talking about 2022, 2023, at a certain point, just based off of like statistical probabilities, the NFC East is not going to be this like tire fire, right? Like the Giants are going to stumble into 10 wins or 11 wins now they're 17 games. The Eagles, the Eagles might have three first round draft picks next year if Carson Wentz resuscitates his career with the Indianapolis Colts. The Washington football team already has a legit defense. They added Curtis Samuel to that offense this offseason. Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to be good to kind of keep them cute or whatever for half the season. But I mean, if if they manage to get, you know, uh, their hands on a legitimate quarterback, like all of a sudden that conversation changes. So, I mean, again, I'm not saying like all in all my chips are in whatever it had 2021 or bust. But I do think that, you know, now is is a time to strike for the Cowboys and that it will only get more difficult in that capacity. And I think it should be said that the two teams that they are most heavily in contention with, in my mind, in the conference, have the oldest quarterbacks in the Buccaneers and the Packers. So at some point, I mean, Tom Brady defies this, obviously, but at some point they're going to have to move on. And so, I mean, at that point, to your point, you know, maybe the window widens up a little bit more. But I, I do believe that the time is, is kind of now. And that's why, you know, I, I think Patrick Sertan is a player that elevates your secondary now. We've been talking at Blog of the Boys for the last few months about how the Cowboys needed to handle this secondary when it came to free agency. We said that they needed to bring back one of Cheetah Bear was there, Jordan Lewis, and they did that. Cheetah went to Cincinnati, but Jordan is back. We said that they needed to go out and get another veteran for help and for depth, which they have not done. Although DeMonte Casey does have some corner flexibility if you want to qualify it that way. And then they needed either draft Patrick Sertan. At the time, we talked about Caleb Farley. Obviously, that conversation has changed given his health status. The Cowboys could still sign Richard Sherman. If, if you know, we had a comment on that. Uh, if anybody joined this locker room late, you uh, you missed that. I, I tried to launch the conversation three times. Uh, but, you know, thankfully, we prevailed and we powered through. But the point is, a lot of people have their eyes set on Richard Sherman. And obviously, the Dan Quinn connections there, just like it is for K.J. Wright. And so if if the Cowboys go out and draft Patrick Sertan and they add Richard Sherman and they've already got Trayvon Diggs and Anthony Brown and Jordan Lewis, don't forget about Reggie Robinson either if the Cowboys do move him back to cornerback. I mean, it, it could be worse. Miguel, we haven't heard from you in a moment. Um, what do you think about this this overall idea? Do you think the Cowboys are closer now? Do you support the idea of waiting a little bit? What are your thoughts? Well, I, I want to be realistic. We're Cowboys fans. It's always win now. It's always our year. It's <laughs> a good point. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, I'm not a big fan of, you know, ever saying, you know, throwaway season. Even last year when we were doing terrible, I just – it's not who I am. It's not who I believe we should be as a team. Um, let's say we do go out and get a Richard Sherman, maybe a KJ Wright, and we still draft Patrick Sertan. You know, if Patrick Sertan can be anywhere near as good as Trayvon Diggs was his, um, you know, his rookie year, I mean, that's that's going to be good on either side corner, Trayvon Diggs, right. Patrick Sertan on one other. You know, Richard Sherman to be that, uh, whether he, how much he plays or not, you know, that good uh, mentor to Patrick Sertan. Um, you know, KJ Wright, if we can get something like that. You know, um, I, I still believe in Lane Van Der Esch. I think, you know, he had a rough season. I, I, you know, injury prone reminds me of Sean Lee. He reminds me of Sean Lee. Like, I just want, I just want a linebacker that can stay healthy, you know. Um, Jalen Smith, um, 
Mm. You know, I feel like he, I feel like he had a very bad year. Obviously, I think we all know that. I think he was the one kind of messing up your your three first starts of this of this little podcast. But you know, that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> I. I think um, if we get the right pieces in there, I think our offense is set to be as long as our offensive line can stay healthy. Um, they can put up with big numbers. And as long as we have, a, you know, even a middle of the pack, slightly higher than middle of the pack defense, I feel like, you know, we have, a, like you said, the the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers is always going to put up some big numbers. Um, and Tom Brady, I mean, he did good, but there were some games, you know, I think the first time, I think it was the first game they played against the Saints. You know, it was just, it just wasn't a beautiful game. Right. And, uh, I feel. I mean, I feel like right now the NFC is anybody's game, you know. Um, and I feel like you know, I, you know, hate win now, but you know, your window's not there forever. Right. So I want to talk about the linebacker position that Miguel brings up. Um, it is March thirtieth, and so to date, the Cowboys have not picked up the fifth-year option for Leighton Vanderish yet. My own personal guess is that I do not think that they will. Uh, the fifth-year option value for him is not, is just over $9 million, and he is a member of the class of 2018. That particular NFL draft class is the first to have their fifth-year options fully guaranteed. So I don't know how you can fully commit that much money to Leighton Vander Esch in 2022 uh, when he's coming off of the season that he's coming off of. Now, Miguel, you note that you still have a belief in Leighton, which is nice, and I certainly think that Leighton represents a high point of promise, kind of a lottery ticket at this point if he regains his 2018 form. So it would be nice. Um, I think it's a little bit more difficult to do with Jalen Smith kind of weighing him down the way he weighed down our first three attempts here on Locker Room, as you noted. Um, but so that's why I, as, as much as I want to see the Cowboys draft Patrick Sertan or J.C. Horn, um, I do think for the sake of um, and I, I don't know that everyone will agree with this opinion, but um, I know that my, uh, my cohort, uh, Brandon Lee Gotten from Bleeding Green Nation, who's with us on the call, uh, will agree when it comes to the Eagles. It's almost more fun when like disaster strikes the Cowboys, like in a, in a terrifying way. And so in, like in the spirit of that, Micah Parsons to me is the most terrifying pick for the Cowboys. Now, a fine player, a legitimate option, sure. But that would really, I think, set off um, Cowboys fans in a different way. Because that would scream, especially because at that point, I would imagine they would definitely have not have picked up Leighton's option, at least at that point. Um, that would scream, we are moving on from Leighton Vander Esch. We're starting over at linebacker. This is the second linebacker that we're taking with a first-round pick in four drafts, in, in three first-round picks, really, because the Cowboys didn't use their pick in 2019 when they traded it from Mari Cooper. And so Micah Parsons would... I think, you know, be the biggest domino effect, biggest butterfly effect, whatever you want to to call it, especially now that we, you know, know Keanu Neal is going to play some linebacker for the Cowboys. So that would be fun, Um, but it would also be terrible and awkward and clunky for this particular season, because what would the Cowboys do? Would they not play Micah Parsons that much? Like, would would they appeal to Jalen? Would they appeal to Leighton Van Der Esch? I mean, Jalen's contract became fully guaranteed already this season. And so that would be a really awkward situation um, but it, it is a possibility. I do think it's, it's decreasing or diminishing in terms of likelihood, but the door to that does exist. Um, let's see, Jason, what do you think about the potential of Micah Parsons? I know that you were already kind of falling in love with the Patrick Sertan idea, but do you think that that would create some chaos? 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Let's see. I don't know what happened with Jason and his audio, but uh, maybe Jason is is, uh, is dealing with it. There you go. There you Sorry, are, Jason. I have audio good. issues. What was your question? How would you feel if the Cowboys drafted Micah Parsons? Would that frustrate you just because of how much they've kind of twiddled their thumbs at linebacker overall? Too much draft capital tied up at linebacker, honestly. Right. Um, I'm a person where, you know, if, if a guy that can't miss in a high round, then, okay, let's do it. You know what I mean? If, mm-hmm. if I, I need to see dominance in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, I can – okay, so how uh, we were with Jalen, right? We drafted him in the second round, but we knew that he, outside of his injury, if he could come back from his injury, it would be like getting a first-round ta- first talent at the end of the second round. Um, or or the middle of the second round. I can't remember where we drafted. It was it was the beginning. They took him thirty four overall. I mean, so it oh, was wow. it was okay. basically a first round pick, right? So, and to and to the point that um, Miguel made, I think Jalen knows he had a bad year. And the thing about the NFL, it's not for long. So though he does have his guaranteed money, you're always thinking about the fact that. You know, though there's no state tax in, in Texas, there is federal tax, and it's still 30-something percent. So when you get that big signing bonus, it sounds good to family and friends that you got a $40 million signing bonus, but your accountant is going to say, hey, 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 that's more like 20-something. You know what I mean? It's like they're, they're, you start to see the writings on the wall. If you don't perform in this league, you get put out of the league. So mm-hmm. I think Jalen is going to have a a explosive year. Um, and Micah, for me, would be too much draft capital early. If we could move back, and, and you were talking about J.C. Horn, um, I, I think if we moved back and got him, and maybe – I'm sure Micah's not going to be on the board at that point. But let's say for some odd reason he does fall, Right. Then mm-hmm. I would be okay with getting him in an early second round um, situation similar to Jalen. But to to put that much draft capital into a player, uh, I don't into a into the linebacking core where we have kind of it's like we've hit and miss. It's like we've hit and then we miss. Uh, I I think they need to build a linebacker rather than try to draft a linebacker. Right. 
No, the linebacker hits are like, um, what was that candy? Um, you know, what I'm talking about that you would like put on your tongue and it would like do the like little the pop like, like popping. Yeah, thing. Pop rocks. yeah, like pop rocks. Thank you. Like it was like that, and for like ten seconds, it was the coolest thing in the world. And then it was just like this bland taste, and you had to like swallow it. Like Fiddle that's it out. that's been the cow. Exactly. That's been the Cowboys linebacker, you know, hits. And even Jalen was like a delayed effect because he didn't play at all his true rookie year. He really wasn't that great. His his kind of like redshirt year in, in 2017 uh, when he first got on the field, he he really starred and shined in 2018. That was when obviously we all thought that maybe the Cowboys had actually pulled this off. Uh, we were duped. It's OK. We can admit it. Uh, but to your point, a second round pick on Jalen Smith, who was 34th overall. So a really premium second round pick. Leighton Vander Esch was the 19th overall pick. So, I mean, you know, a first round pick in, in his own right. And if you're dumping not just a first round pick, you said I expect stars with, with my first round pick, but the 10th overall pick. And if if the draft falls away that a lot of people think it falls uh, where the Cowboys take the first defensive player off the board. So now it's not just a first-round player. Now it's not just a, a, a top-ten pick. It is literally you had your choice of all defensive players, and you chose this one, and we're pissed off about it. And so in that sense, you really have to you know, sort of uh, mitigate the amount of risk, mitigate the amount of fallout. Uh, Kevin Gray says here, Cowboys Nation would lose their minds uh, if the Cowboys did take Micah Parsons. And he noted, funny, because Parsons wants to be a Cowboy. If anybody has never seen, Parsons has a, a very famous tweet uh, inside AT&T Stadium saying something like, hope to stay in the blue and white. Um, he did go to Penn State. And, and like, by the way, we would get that shoved down our throats. Like, oh, and- the Cowboys are losing one, one Penn State linebacker and Sean Lee and getting another. It would be obnoxious. Not only that, right? You can miss on Patrick Sertan, right? You mm-hmm. okay? You can you can draft Patrick Sertan, and he turns out to be a bust, and nobody is going to say anything to you. Hey, you know sometimes guys look the part, and they're not the part, right? Right. Um, if you pick Michael Parsons over Patrick Sertan. Because remember, we're saying we have the first defensive player off the board. You're never living that down. And because the Jones family has, you know, they are essentially judge, jury, and executioner when it comes to our drafting, um, there's nobody to fire. It's just, (laughs) uh, hey, we missed this thing. You know what I mean? It's like, Steven's not getting fired. Right. So, no, so it, it really is like, oh, our bad. Whoops. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, that's really, yeah. yeah. It's Max Kellerman. Whoops. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's not a, a thing that you want as a fan base to, to be subject to. You know what I mean? It's like this is – it's because they're judge, jury, and executioner, you want them to measure twice and cut once when it comes to our drafting because there's nobody to, uh, you know – get the pitchforks out against if you uh, per se, you know, so agreed. The level of accountability is definitely very different. Um, Let's see. Tanner has requested to join the stage. Tanner, what is going on? hope your Tuesday is going well. Um, Hope there's no whoopses on your end. Tanner, how goes it? Hey, going pretty good. Uh, Yeah, I was having some, some trouble there at the beginning, uh, a new locker room, but uh, you and me both, man, you and me both. No worries. Yeah. Hey, I, you know, on the draft talk, I mean, I just don't see how you don't take Sertan. I mean, you know, 
what are, what are we going to do at, at corner specifically? You know, if we don't, that that's that's my only that's that's my biggest hangup. Right. I mean, that's a fair question, and I mean, one that like is still unanswered, right? And that's that's where I think a lot of people are upset um, that that the Cowboys haven't added free agency, you know, help at the cornerback position specifically. The Cowboys, I mean, the, they've added safeties like they're going out of style, at least numerically. <clears throat> Um, but their, their hand is sort of tipped. Um, I, like, I don't know that that's fully true, but I mean, it doesn't take, you know, a genius of a NFL mind to look at the situation and say, well, they really need a corner. It's really possible that Patrick Sertan is going to be there. And so I also like, I think a legitimate worry is say arbitrary team X is just in love with Patrick Sertan, which is very possible to your point. Like, how can you not be? I mean, I, I think that they look maybe at the Denver Broncos and the Denver Broncos who just signed Kyle Fuller in free agency and say, look, Broncos, I know Kyle Fuller's on a one-year deal, but you suck anyway. Don't worry about it. You got Drew Locke. You've got your own problems, but we'll give you this and we'll come up to nine and we'll take Sertan. And then the Cowboys can do whatever they want. And so let me, let me put that hypothetical on you. Say that did happen. Say the Cowboys got snaked. At that point, I do think that one of the tackles would be there. So if Sertan were gone, would you want to take the tackle, the Sewell or Slater pick, or would you just want to take J.C. Horn, or would you want to trade back, get out, and kind of figure out your next you know, step of action moving forward? Well, you know, if the talent is there at offensive line, I don't really think that you can be mad about, about drafting offensive line uh, early. Mm-hmm. If, like I said, if the value's there, you know, we did that you know, several, several years back and, and, and had an outstanding offensive line for a while. Um, you know, it's a crapshoot, really. I mean, if you, I wouldn't be upset with the tackle, but I don't think taking Horn at at number ten, I I don't think the value is there on Horn. Maybe if you traded back, what are, are the Broncos at? What are they? At? The Broncos are at nine. At, and for what it's for nine. what it's worth, yeah, right. I think I think the best, like the easiest trade back spot to find is Chicago, maybe. And but that would involve Trey Lance falling, which I don't. I think is. If, if we're to assume that the first four picks are quarterbacks, which makes sense with the Jaguars, Jets, uh, Niners, and, and Falcons pick, whoever whoever is that team that makes that pick, you've got Trey Lance hovering out there. And I don't know how Carolina passes on him, but if he does, then that, that gives you another option at least. Yeah, so so I think for me, you know, if, if I can't trade back and, and be somewhat certain I can, I can get him, then I would take the tackle. That's that, – you know, the tackle position is probably the only position on the offense that I would be, you know, of course I'm going to be excited if we get a pits or, or something like that. But, you know, speaking, you know, realistically for me, you know, I don't, a tackle position on offense is, is really the only thing that I would be, you know, happy about day two, you know what I mean? Thinking back on it. Right. No. And, and I think that that's a great way to put it. Like when we wake up on Friday, like what are we, you know, least pissed off about? Um, because if Kyle Pitts is, is the pick, everyone's ordered his jersey. You know what I mean? Like we've done all sorts of stuff. Like that is true in total nirvana on Friday morning. If the Cowboys are snaked for Patrick Sertan, I think it is this bitter like, oh, man, like, you know, I would love this do-over. But, and and if, if the whole situation is softened by landing, whether it's Sewell or Slater, I think that helps. Um, but I just – I think that – that, that's like in thinking about the possibilities, and I suppose this this happens when you when you have a top ten pick. It is difficult to imagine a scenario where we are like truly and utterly devastated on Friday morning. What what would that would that be, Michael Parsons, for you? Like what would what would be sort of the worst possible result for you on Friday morning? 
Yeah, I like the Parsons guy, but I, I yeah, taking him at, at ten for me, you know, still the the question still is to be answered. What are we going to do at cornerback? <laughs> you know, right. what I mean, we can take some guys day two or three, but you know, it's um, you know my my perspective on it is, you know, we tried with Mo Claiborne. I don't know how that was that was a little while ago, you know, but uh, let's let's invest in defense and just see what happens. You know, we. And, and I'm still. This isn't very a very popular opinion, but I'm still on the trade Gallup topic. You know, I I don't see how you pay him next right. year. Yeah, I don't see how you pay him next year. And so right. let's. Yeah, our offense. I think our offense is going to be fine. I think with Dak being back, I think spirits are going to be very high. Uh, you know, not to mention he's just an excellent player. You know, Dak haters aside. So, <laughs> you know. That's yeah. To answer your questions, Parsons would probably be you know my least exciting um, choice for sure. Okay, let's address uh, what what Tanner brought up and what Jason echoed. Um, Michael Gallup has there's there's no question that Michael Gallup is the the most tradable asset that the Dallas Cowboys have right now. The tenth overall pick aside, and for anybody who's not aware, Michael Gallup, phenomenal wide receiver you know, clearly on his way to becoming a true and utter alpha in the NFL. If he, if you don't view him that way already, uh, Michael Gallup is entering the final year of his rookie contract. Time flies in the NFL for what it's worth. Connor Williams is as well. If you want to start worrying about that, although that certainly doesn't, I think cause anybody to lose sleep at night, but Michael Gallup in the final year of his contract year, or, or, I mean, contract, uh, excuse me, in his contract year, final year of his deal, that is something that if you're like you think about teams that, that came up short in free agency uh, at the wide receiver position. Think about the Baltimore Ravens, right? The Baltimore Ravens. Cool. You got Sammy Watkins. I can promise you the Dallas Cowboys are super pumped that they didn't get Sammy Watkins three years ago. And so you send and the Baltimore Ravens clearly view themselves as a contender. They, they clearly tried to land Kenny Galladay. They tried to land Juju Smith-Schuster. And so, I mean, you trade, you know, Michael Gallup to that team. And maybe they get a long-term deal done with him in 2022. Maybe they don't. And if they don't, then guess what? He gets paid by whoever else next offseason when the salary cap is a bajillion dollars like it's supposed to be. And that team gets a 2023 compensatory pick. The only, like Tanner, I want to say that I love this idea. And I know, I think I speak for you in saying that we love Michael Gow. This isn't about like getting rid of him. It's just about maximizing the potential of the roster and the resources that the Cowboys have. But it, it would be the wisest possible thing to get out now where you can still get something from Michael Gallup, which sometimes people will get too attached and they, they're too focused on the now. And, and the Cowboys, they did not, at least as of now, amend or restructure Amari Cooper's contract, which means that they could um, get out of that deal next offseason if they wanted to. But Amari Cooper is playing at a level that makes it very difficult to make it you know, seem conceivable that they would want to do that. And so something we floated out a few months ago at belongingtheboys.com, I mean, this now this is funny that we're talking about this today. The day of the 17-game schedule has been finalized. The Cowboys will visit the New England Patriots in 2021. Send them to New England. Send them to the New England Patriots, who are certainly in need of some help. I know they, they brought in Jonu Smith and, um, and of course, uh, Hunter Henry. But, I mean, you know what would be awesome to get? Like, and, and this does free you up if you want to take Micah Parsons or you get one of the tackles. Trade him for Stephon Gilmore. You automatically improve your secondary. Stephon Gilmore had a down year last year compared to 2019. He's, his salary cap hit for 2021 is only $7 million. And just like Michael Gallup, Stephon Gilmore is in a contract year. We know that the Cowboys and uh, Jason mentioned Stephen Jones. 
Stephen Jones is in love, is enamored with compensatory picks. They are the apple of his eye. And so in that respect, it's difficult to imagine the Cowboys moving on from Michael Gallup because Stephen Jones views him as like a walking 2023 compensatory pick. Well, go get another one. Just just go get a different one. Trade him for somebody else that you can cash out in that same capacity. Or guess what? Maybe he's an awesome corner for you and you just pay him next year when the salary cap booms like we're saying it's going to. Um, Tanner, your thoughts on this since you spearheaded this conversation? Yeah, I, you know, I, I agree with you there. I, you know, I, I'm okay with the Gilmore trade, you know, speak really because it's his contract year. If, if it doesn't right. work out, it doesn't work out. You know, and I don't know that uh, I'm just a, a huge guy like the Joneses are with uh, compensatory picks. I mean, it's nice, but, I mean, you know, everybody talks about that, the uh, compensatory pick algorithm. I don't know what you would get for, for a Michael Gallup, but, you know, we can get something better for him, you know, than and, and by trading him. I think you can say that. And, you know, there's enough mouths to feed on the offense already. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I would be fine with the Gilmore trade, honestly. And then, right. you know that would that would you know make things a little bit easier on draft day, maybe make them harder. But you know, and then I wouldn't be so upset about a Parsons pick, or or even you know even if uh, one of the offensive studs in the early rounds fell, I wouldn't wouldn't be so worried about that. But Michael Gallup, you know, he's a baller. I don't want to take anything away from him, but you know he he's a he's a go get the ball at the at the you know the highest level kind of guy. Not to say that that's just replaceable. Everybody can get that, but you know that can that can be found. You know, and so that's that's just kind of my point on it. he's he's worth more today than he's going to be worth tomorrow. Right. You know? I I think that that's that's the best way to put it. Ultimately, Jason, it seems like you have a thought on this. I was just going to say I, I was going to echo Tanner's point. Um, you you floated uh, New England out there, and it's funny you said that because I wasn't thinking about Gilmore, but I was thinking about the fact that um. They're they're known for taking on, um, you know, guys in the last uh, on the last part of their contract, and right. they need, um, you know, not that they're really looking to get weapons for Cam, um, but they need to get weapons for Cam. Um, though they did do a good job in free agency of picking up some guys. Um, there, you you can't a, a guy like Gallup for. You know, a couple, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's not going to go for a first, but a second round pick and, you know, maybe a a, a, a expiring contract like uh, Gilmore, you, you know, that's a good pickup for them. Um, you know, I always say in a negotiation, everybody has to feel like, you know, they got slighted a little bit, but they also got what they wanted a little bit. So um, I, I would, would be okay with that or the, the, uh, the Ravens package that you were talking about because they do see themselves as a contender somebody said earlier uh if you know Lamar wasn't on their team they win somewhere between seven and nine games so if you have a guy like that who's elevating your team then you have to get him some people so that he can get you to the promised land and I do believe that the Ravens are are a true number one wide receiver away from um being a, a, a true contender. But um, for the Cowboys' sake, um, I think that getting rid of Gallup is something that they need to do before they get a compensatory pick for him, though Stephen Jones is enamored with them. Um, but it's uh, I haven't seen someone say, oh, yeah, you know, we got this compensatory pick, and 
it really changed the game for us. So, yeah, no thanks. Well, the only thing I would say to that is that Dak Prescott was a compensatory pick. So, I mean, like, you, you can find, like, an example to suit everything. Uh, but, like, you're both right. Like, you know, like, they don't hand out trophies for comp pick, you know, totals or whatever. Um, now, for what it's worth, I find the Michael Gallup um, sort of change in spirit fascinating. A year ago, one year, not even a year ago, like 10 months ago, when all the Jamal Adams trade talk was, was percolating out there, there were so – and this was fair – there were some people who said that, you know, uh, Gary Myers had originally kind of floated Michael Gallup out as an option in, in consideration for a Jamal Adams share with the Jets. And the take, the fair take was, look, I wouldn't even trade Michael Gallup straight up for Jamal Adams. And then obviously the Cowboys drafted CeeDee Lamb and, and a lot of fortunes changed. But um, looking at Baltimore, they hold the 58th overall pick. That's their second round pick. And, and I don't think you can get much higher. That's, that's a low quality second round pick, obviously. And so if you acquire that, let's just say it's that from Michael Gallup. And you're the Cowboys and say you, you know, say you, you have one of the tackles fall to you, right? Say Patrick Sertan is snaked from you by whoever it may be. So you, you draft, call it Rashawn Slater. Fine. Cool. You've already traded Michael Gallup. At this point, you now have five picks in the top 100, which is really cool. And so, okay, cool. You're watching the first round go, watching the first round go. Maybe JC Horn's still sitting there at 22, 23, 24. Well, you have two second round picks that you can now jump up. You can go get JC Horn. You can walk away with the cake and eat it too. Um, because you had those second round picks to use as currency to go up and get your guy. So now you walk away with one of the tackles and one of the corners. And to, to Tanner's point earlier, I mean, you get great value on JC Horn in that respect. You got great value on your tackle option. So the, the Michael Gallup trade, look, I know we're all fans of him, but like that move opens up a lot of possibilities for you, which is why it's, it would be foolish of the Cowboys not to consider. Uh, Jason did note here that he has a Zoom meeting starting. Uh, we certainly um, hope it goes well for him. Hope um, I hope it's a, a million-dollar deal that Jason's closing. Why? Actually, ten million. I don't want to sell him short. Uh, but uh, but yeah, Miguel, your thoughts? You've been uh, you've been silent for a little bit. What do you think about the Michael Gallup situation? You know, I'm a very uh, emotional person, right? I love Michael Gallup. You know, it always hurts me to think about it, but I do understand the uh, what we can get for it. You know, you saying you know possibly that extra second round pick to possibly jump back into the round one again. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I never really thought about it like that. Um, if we can do that, you know, that's, I mean, it's, it's a perfectly good, um, you know, thought. Um, I did, I, you know, I don't want to go too far off topic, but I did have a question or, you know, your thoughts. Um, it, it kind of ties everything in together, I guess, is no matter who we draft, right. Where we draft, you know, one of the biggest things I've noticed is our, our team's attitude, at least, especially on the defense, right? You know, I've heard you talk about it a lot on the, uh, some of your podcasts as well as, I mean, we, we saw it on Twitter, you know, I know he's gone, Xavier Woods, but, um, Jalen Smith's, you know, wanted to be a captain, you know, clear eye view. I don't know what the hell he was drinking, but he did, definitely did not have a clear eye view last year. Um, our, our attitude, you know, being a terrible defense, they, they thought they were doing okay. And, you know, uh, we talked about it, or y'all talked about it. I, I can't remember his name. The defensive end we got from Seattle um, for a year, who in halftime went and basically tore everybody up, you know, right. two years ago. Um, I can't remember. I don't know why I had it right now before we were talking. Michael Bennett. Yes. Who, who, no matter who we draft, do we have anybody that's going to just change our team's attitude? Because I, I can feel like we can have the best players, but if we all think, you know, we're hot stuff and we don't try to get, make ourselves better, I don't. I don't think it matters. So Miguel brings up a really interesting point here, um, and it's really just like a theme, and I suppose it, it's a theme of entitlement uh, within within the Cowboys. 
um, and specifically the Cowboys defense. And um, I think that, you know, they, they, they're all, you know, they're all highly tatted players and they play for the Cowboys. And so, you know, they have people like us jumping on locker room and obsessing over them. So, I mean, they, that all of that is fair, but um, a lot of it isn't, you know, quote unquote earned. A lot of it isn't justified. A lot of it isn't, um, you know, sort of played out every week. And, and that's, that's unfortunate. Miguel mentioned it was two years ago. It was on Thanksgiving against the Buffalo Bills after the Cowboys got roundhoused that Michael Bennett in the locker room just tore them up. And somebody who really, you know, was not used to that coming from the Seahawks, somebody who was not used to getting embarrassed on national television in front of a big stage like Thanksgiving offers. And, and that's what happened that day. And you mentioned you've mentioned Jalen Smith several times, Miguel. Um, the, the quote, he had two quotes this past season that, that stuck with me that really bothered me. Um, the first was when the Cowboys game against the San Francisco 49ers got flexed out of Sunday night football in favor of the Browns Giants game. He, he very, you know, infamously said, oh, well, is, is Jerry upset? You know, and he said, if not, then I'm cool. And that's, that's not cool. I mean, that's, there, there's a really big problem with that. The other thing was after the regular season ended and, and he got roasted for this a lot online. Um, he was asked about his future with the team and, and he kind of questioned, he said, who, me? Like like the idea of him getting cut was preposterous, um, which, you know, would not be the case for anybody who played like him. And so he does seem very unaware of what is going on around him. And in a way, I actually think that's a really admirable quality, like that he's able to, um, you know, have his clear eye view, I suppose, but but kind of just focus in on on the subject or the matter at hand. Um, and, and kind of, you know, it's tough to, to be, you know, in, in that in that spot and, and in those shoes. And so I do admire that he's able to kind of filter all of that out and, and keep his life content in the way that he wants to. But um, there is a lack of accountability. I mentioned um, I can't remember now because I did try to get this room off the ground several times. I made a joke about Manchester United. That's the EPL team I root for. And if you if you follow Manchester United or you're aware of English soccer, uh, they have a player now in Bruno Fernandes that they um, they acquired a few years ago now, about a year and a half ago, who really changed their culture. Um, and you can maybe if you if you're listening and you want to you want to take the time, uh, BLG says go Chelsea in our comments. Um, we should ban him for this. But uh, Manchester United is kind of like I'm sure if you're not a soccer fan, you at least know kind of like the Cowboys of European soccer. Big brand um, have really kind of struggled for a while, and they're still worth so much money, et cetera. And they had this culture of like losing, just being tolerated, losing, being fine. But, but Bruno Fernandes came over. Um, Ke Kevin Gray, KG, says hail uh, to the Red Devils. Appreciate you, KG. And came over and, and just really changed that. I, I forget who the match was against, but it was back in January of this year. Um, they drew against their opponent. And he talked about how, I mean, he was like pissed off in the locker room and how that's not the standard and they have to win and like, that's the dude who, like, it should be the guy who is the heart and soul of your team, like, getting into the, like, narrative and the cliche of all this. That is the guy that's driving that force on. It should be the Jalen Smith. It should be the Leighton Van Der Esch. It shouldn't be the guy who just showed up, like Michael Bennett two years ago. And I think for a while, it was Tyrone Crawford um, who was kind of that guy. And I, I don't think it helps. Like, it helps that Bruno is this great player for Manchester United. It didn't help that Tyron was kind of this average player for the Cowboys. So the message is kind of lost in translation in that sense. Um, and so I do think that there is a culture change happening slowly. Maybe that's the optimist in me. 
Um, but I, and I think that's, that's one of the more valuable qualities of Dan Quinn as the new defensive coordinator. And like, I have for a long time bagged on the Atlanta Falcons. I, I thought that they were this overrated team and I, I made a lot of 20 to three jokes, just like everybody did, but people forget the Falcons made it back to the playoffs that year. Like people love to talk about every year about how the team that lost the Super Bowl the year prior always misses the playoffs. The Falcons lost the Super Bowl in the most devastating way possible. And still, they not only made it back to the playoffs, they beat the Rams in Sean McVay's first year in the wild card round. And they almost beat the Eagles that eventually won the Super Bowl. And so I maintain that Dan Quinn has has an ability to motivate guys. And so in that sense, I'm really pumped about the Keanu Neal and DeMonte KZ signings because those are his guys. They're part of his culture. I remember watching this um, like NFL Network special on the Falcons at that time. Um, Dan Quinn is is a really uh, big supporter of the military. And so he had them do these like military training exercises. Um, I don't know if it was with the Navy SEALs or which which division or which branch of the military it was. But it was like these super intense workouts that taught, you know, um, all sorts of stuff, whatever. And I my point is, I think that Dan Quinn helps in that capacity. I think that Dan Quinn kind of helps shed the, you know, elitist entitlement attitude that has plagued the Cowboys for so long. Have I sold you at all, Miguel, or are you still on the fence? I mean, no, I definitely get it, but I mean, we got to get through this first season first for me to actually see anything, honestly, <laughs> you know. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of coaches, you know, you know, that actually yell at the players, you know, I mean, it's, that's football, that's football for you, you know, a lot of people, you know, can say whatever they want about Christian Sharp, but that dude was very emotional, and, you know, he didn't care who you were, he yelled at Sean Lee, he yelled... Uh, one of my favorite videos I always see, yelling at Sean Lee and Lane Van Der Esch, and they're just sitting there taking it, you know. Um, we we just need, whether it's a coach, you know, whether that be Dan Quinn, whether that be, you know, anybody that's, you know, just hears us and needs to step up and just take that leadership role, you know, whether um, even if it's somebody on the offense, you know, talk to the talk to the team, you know. It doesn't have to be offensive side, defensive side. We just need somebody who that is. And, I mean, obviously the season hasn't started. It remains to be seen. I'm, you know, I'm optimistic. I'm always optimistic. I'm a Cowboys fan. So, um, you know, I'm still on the fence, but I'm, I'm hopeful, RJ. I'm hopeful like you are. Well, um, I think that that's a good note to end on. Uh, I've really appreciated everybody uh, joining us here today on Locker Room. I, super levels of appreciation to everybody who powered through the, um, the instances where we were struggling to get off the ground. But don't worry, we're here. We made it. Um, the plan is to do this way more often. Um, if you have a topic that you think would be cool for us to locker room sesh about, uh, you can message me, um, anywhere, really. You can hit me up here on locker room. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at RJ Ochoa. That's RJ O-C-H-O-A. My DMs are open. So if you've got something that's longer than 280 characters, certainly go ahead. You can email me rj.ochoa at sbnation.com as well. Um, I think we might try jumping on here a little bit later in the evening next time. Give everybody some chance to, to get home, have some dinner, unwind. Uh, well, you know, maybe, you know, kind of make some s'mores, who knows, have a good time in that capacity and certainly talk soon enough, maybe sometime later on this week. Uh, but that about does it for our session here today. Like I said, super shout out to everybody who powered through. Uh, we love you all. Check out blogontheboys.com. Uh, we have a podcast network on, that's available on all major podcast platforms you can subscribe to. You can also hear me on the SB Nation NFL show, and you can check out Blog on the Boys' YouTube channel where we're putting out like three to four videos a week, getting ready for the draft, obviously. Uh, but yeah, so have a great day. Uh, in fact, have the best day of all time uh, because you deserve it. We'll see you next time.